0: Ah, we're recording. <laughs> uh, so this is, I don't know, probably maybe the first of many of these uh, podcasts that I'm hoping to do based on the uh, Discord channel. Um, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Chris Paynes, uh, otherwise known as the villain, <laughs> pretty much just because of a laugh that I got ridiculed for by Preet once, uh, joined uh, by... Well, my brown belt's Naki. Uh, he features in pretty much most of the videos that we've done so far um, on the YouTube channel. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen each other in a long time due to tears and lockdown and various other things. So that's why we haven't been able to record anything. Oh, he's disappeared.
1: No, no, I'm here, i What happened? Nothing, I just went to the, tried to mute it, but did it take my video off as well?
0: Yeah, took your video off. Am I back? Yeah, he's back. Okay, yeah, we've, back. <laughs> we've solved that problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what we've got currently going on is a Discord channel. Uh, and on the Discord channel, it's, it's grown at like a um, an interesting rate, as in like, it's kind of dormant for a little bit, and then uh, I started to put up more of these videos, and then it just kind of took off. Uh, Naki's been there pretty much since the beginning as well, and he's yeah. uh, chatting to a lot of the people who are Uh, appearing on the Discord channel and answering questions with his own uh, take on things. Um, Also, I know this podcast is going to be slightly biased because (laughs) Mackie is my student, and so we've both kind of got a similar way of how we look at things. But um, hopefully, if this goes well, we can maybe get like a third person involved and start to invite other people if they're interested because I think it would be uh, quite fun. Uh, Anyway, so... On the Discord channel that we uh, we put out, there's been numerous questions coming up about um, various topics. And we thought, well, this is probably the best way of actually just answering them. And so one of the first questions that came out was about mount uh, and how we perceive mount and what we do about mountain jiu-jitsu. I probably have a more, uh, I wouldn't say unique, but different way of approaching mount. I have just different way of approaching uh, dominant positions anyway. Um so when it comes to, to mount is I like the idea of instead of having um, the traditional way of sitting over the hips and then uh, trying to open up someone's armpits in and drills and then doing a the technique, I prefer to actually get the armpits first, climb to their armpits or the pass or off side control, etc. then Consolidate the the position by actually just moving my legs over into mount. Um, We'll start the discussion then. What's been your kind of uh, take on? Because you've been with me since we were doing traditional mount.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: How do you think it's changed then since we started doing this new way? What do you think the pros and cons of it are?
1: Oh, big time, man. Um, It's like you say. Then we were all obviously it was one move, second move, and you know, it was the coach's perspective of what would work. But obviously, when it came to rolling, it would work. And we are like, oh, damn, nothing's working. Um, hmm. But obviously, since, that's... since okay, understanding well. this whole armpit thing, opening it up and then doing your attacks, control, pressure, you know, it's completely changed the way we've looked at our Mount. We both know that because we play it completely different now. We don't play it the way we used to play it. Um, and I think I said this on the Discord group as well. Like, if I'm in a submission-only uh, contest, I would play with arms open, but if it was points, I'd probably go to the hips position, get my points and then get out. Because I'm not going to, if I want to finish, the finish will be very hard, very hard. I've got to open them up first. There's chances of bridging. And if they know how to play baby bridge, Hawking and all the mirroring stuff, uh, it can get quite bad really, even on when you're on top. Because you're never safe on top when you know someone is playing a good bottom position, you know, using the baby bridge, using the Hawkins and all them principles.
0: I think that's actually an interesting point is that, um so the use of mount if you're just trying to score points, yeah, compared to the use of mount um, as a as a finishing position. Yeah. So I don't want to like say anything about the black belts who I asked this off, but we actually we had a seminar once at uh, our gym. Uh, we had a couple of black belts visit, and I asked the question. They said like, well, "What do you want us to cover before they for the seminar?" And I said, well, would, "Would you mind doing a seminar on mogi mount?" Uh, <laughs> and I think it flummoxed them a bit because they said like they arrived and they were like. There's not a lot you can do from no gi mount. I was mm. like, really? That seems awfully strange. Like, this, this position is kind of just then not used. Um, obviously, you know, in gi, it's it's there's loads of work on it, especially with Roger and his, yeah. his X, X jokes, et etc., cross jokes. Um, but in no gi, like I say, the and they're two, you know, very highly respected black belts. And I said, what's your idea on mount? And it's like, you, you can't. Um, I think that then comes back to, like, you know, we're going to go on to these topics a bit more later on. Um, when it comes to actually the drilling of mount, everything kind of starts on that kind of hips position, sitting above the hips. And then the other person's framing on the bottom, and you've got to open up their framed arms, which when your hips are in the way, it's super difficult. Like yeah. any sort of it's resistance on that, it just doesn't happen. No. And then you Especially get the if they're bridging.
1: You, you go on a good wrestler in mount on their hips, you'll, you won't be in mount for long. You'll be swept straight no, no. away. Big bridge. Well, this,
0: this is a conversation I actually had with someone anyway. Is that um, I don't think mount, the way it exists, would uh, be there if it wasn't uh, for the lack of leg locks in jujitsu. Yeah. Because basically, I if you. Uh, we're going to the inside outside principle a bit later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I had a, I
1: had As the inside kind of person. go into that
0: now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As the inside person on the bottom of mount, you have it available to you to you know, if it, uh, with a decent half bridge, like yeah. pull it to, to single leg X and just your yeah. hook the, the crap out of it. Um, yeah, because that doesn't normally exist in jiu-jitsu. It's not considered an issue. So people will happily sit above the hips and not worry about it. Yet, yeah, the second then you come across on a decent bridge or there's a leg lock game, holding them out becomes a, a lot more worrying, especially sitting on um, the hips. Yeah. yeah, sitting on the hips but sitting upright. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think then, because we started playing this more uh, elbows-closed defensive jiu-jitsu and started questioning things a lot more, I think it then made more sense to go to this consolidation instead of acquisition <laughs> kind of yeah. concept when it comes to mount, is when you're actually going, um, instead of treating mount as a uh, separate position where you then go hunting from, yep. it's better to actually have what you want first, as in open up the armpits, open you know, attach the arm to the head or whatever and then just move your leg over and like pinch onto the hips, like consolidate your weight on top. Um, there's less chance you're going to get bridged. There's less chance you're going to get yeah. leg locked. You are on a very high mount to start off with. And there's no worry yeah. about opening up the elbows. Um, I think probably- and other stuff have-
1: like uh, the S mounts and all them, all that stuff then becomes very easy because their arms are already up by yeah. their ears. You
0: know? exactly. It's not uh, like think- you
1: gotta, you know, use all that fingertip st- stuff that, you know, we used to learn to yeah, get sp- up. spiders <laughs> on the arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That- yeah, like, I can't which, remember the last
0: time I've done any of that. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't, it may work on beginners, it may work in drilling, but against people who are actually putting a decent amount of resistance yeah. in. Again, that's the main problem, is that like the first thing you ever do from any sort of mount class when you're doing drills from mount is I need to open up the arms first. And so, yeah. you know, they're normally the person T-Rexing and stuff like that, and you've got to um, try and find a way of using getting your elbows inside their elbows and like, uh, walking it out or getting your hips on the inside of their elbows yeah. and like doing a squat off their hips and it's like <laughs> that seems if that's the kind of like common third pretty much an all no gi mount of like, gi mount is you've got to open the elbows first yeah um, and listen gi you can at least threaten the x choke and make them open up their own elbows then hunt armbars in nogi. that's not an issue um, True. yeah I think I think the the rule set of jujitsu has warped mount to make it uh Unviable and now people, it just becomes ignored. Yeah, it's actually, you know, considering that we went for that seminar of you can't really do no mount.
1: Yeah.
0: It's probably one of my favorite positions to use. And we're in this, you know, this is coming from a gym where um, we have this good defensive ability. We have good bridges. We have good wrestlers. Yeah. Yet we're, and we, we play heel hooks from white belt. Like, yeah.
1: they want, they actually have a good
0: no mount game. It's like, yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to be, look, I'm going to look forward to actually, because I know we did a video on this was one of our first videos when audio was terrible. I had no idea what we were doing with this re-recording like that and actually getting more in depth with it so hopefully when uh, when we're allowed back in the gym together <laughs> we'll go do that yeah um, indeed so then okay that that kind of brings me ni- uh, nicely over to um, a couple of other topics that were kind of uh, asked about was the um, hierarchy of positions in jiu-jitsu mm. and why gyms still train the way that they have always done. Uh, I think they're very similar kind of um, topics. So mm-hmm. the conventional hierarchy of positions, and I think it was a Dan Ha, Dan speech, Dan um where when it comes to the, the, the point, uh, it's not for Naki, Naki knows this, is for anyone who has who turned into watching any of this, Um he kind of gave it a speech where he said, like, you know, the, the point system in jiu jitsu is based on fighting, as it was seen back in the day, in that you would you get the two points for the takedown because you've gone from a standing position and you put someone on their back, but they're still dangerous. They've still got their legs in the way. They can still up you and kick you in the legs and all this kind of stuff. You still have the most dangerous part of them in, in the way. So that's why a takedown was only two. Uh, three points for the for the guard pass you because you got past the most Im- uh, dangerous part of their body.
1: Yeah.
0: Then it was based on the hierarchy positions. Based on how much you could punch them hard in the head. Uh, Sagittor, you couldn't really hit them hard in the head. Uh, Neon belly, you can. You've got like a decent base. Actually, you start wailing on them, and then mount and rear mount. You just go to town and destroy them. Yeah.
1: Um, Two points, and then four and four.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. The the points increase because you can release your hands more. control. So I can see, actually, that actually has a lot of, if we look at it in that perspective, there is a great uh, use for that uh, philosophy. Yeah. Because um, when, you know, the question is always asked, you know, Jiu-Jitsu wouldn't work in a street fight. And uh, (laughs) I know this is quite funny because if anyone's unaware, like Naki has worked as a doorman uh, whilst... (laughs) Being a, uh, a jujitsu
1: practitioner, so before, before yeah. jujitsu, and after, so yeah, I yeah. started. So okay, I, how did jujitsu uh change what you do there? Oh about? man, I mean, I used to I played rugby at a young age, so I had uh, you know a bit of a concept of you know grappling, you know, not yeah. uh, not in that sense, but you know, um, and then I did a bit of boxing as well. But I started doing doors when I was very young. I was eighteen, and I had uh, did my uh, SIA, and then jumped on doors straight away. So whilst I was at uni. I was doing the doors as well. Um, obviously, he was more uh, getting into brawls and stuff, a different kind of attitude then. But obviously, yeah. jiu-jitsu does change your mindset because you know, grabbing people, lifting them, turning them is nothing, especially when you do a bit of greco, you know, yeah. learn a couple of clinches and that's it. It's nothing. They've got no idea and taking them down is like it's nothing. You know, when you learn to play against resisting people and people in the street, it's different. That's why... You know, I always I don't understand this, you know, why people say that jujitsu wouldn't work. I mean, it would, but grappling would work. This is another thing that we always, you know, we've seen it's a stigma in what we do. Yeah. Uh, oh, jiu-jitsu is the best, wrestling is the best, you know, lucha libre is the best, you know. I know we were talking about this on the Discord yesterday as well, like grappling is grappling, you know. Yeah. Um, learn everything. Everything works. You just got to understand the timing, why you're using it, when to use it, you know.
0: Well, I think that circles back around to how we were talking about Mount. Just is uh, yeah. Uh, rule sets make styles. As in, when you when you you have you have the, the the great mold, the great blob of grappling. Uh, you know how to grab another human being, and yeah. then you incorporate different rules, and you get different martial arts at the other end. Like you know you have, you can only grab someone in the cloth while standing upright, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you get judo and judo's warped itself and when you couldn't touch the legs and stuff like that and wrestling like you know you couldn't have your uh, back on the floor so then there was no reason to to create a guard get or keep yeah. the guard game of of grappling and jujitsu has done something similar where you, you, know, you took out leg locks and then you have mount and it warped itself to the point where it becomes guard, not even a logical position anymore yeah like you can't you you know like, I say, no game mount doesn't exist, or it's dangerous to get it. No, it's, it's perfectly fine. Um, I think the, the more open you actually make the rule set, the more pure understanding of grappling you get. And this thing circles back around to when people say, you know, you can't use jujitsu in a street fight. You directly, you know, of course you can. Just don't go on your back. Yeah. Like, look at jujitsu from the point scoring perspective. Take them down, get past their legs go Through a hierarchy of control positions that allow you to release your hands and hit them in the head. Yeah, like how is that not <laughs> great advice in a self defense way? I remember mm-hmm. you said to me, like, you you once, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you threw a sword to the ground and then you just knee on belly, yeah, and he sick. puked
1: up in his mouth. I was like, nah, <laughs> <no."> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like judo, doesn't work, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, nah, man. <laughs> I mean, when I had him, when I was grabbing his back. I squeezed him that much that I could actually feel his inside stomach in my, when I was, I could feel him squealing and he was just about <coughs> puked then. I just, I just tripped him over and then knee on belly and then he was just puked there and he just lay, laid on the floor. I'm like, all right then. That's, That's it. Awful, and then he got it? up and walked off.
0: <laughs> um, that then circles around to again, like, I love how this is kind of like shaped up these, and yeah. these almost desperate uh, topics kind of became, <laughs> you know, it's all one, isn't it? Uh yeah. So it's one big tree why,
1: branches why off do it. people
0: still train? What do you think the reason is for people still training problem-solution-style jiu-jitsu? And we've I got don't
1: know.
0: Thoughts on um, this, I'm sure.
1: We, we, I think we're on similar, uh, you know, wavelength on this, like... Uh, probably are, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, people don't want to get out of that, um, you know, that box. They don't want to explore, you know, they just want to learn. Their coach says... It's this and this, and that's it. They don't want to uh, go out and explore. And if you look at the good guys, they watch the footage and they learn off different people, but then you've still got people who are comfortable just learning off maybe one person or just learning one style. Um, And I think they're doing themselves a very bad disservice because there's different ways of learning out there. Um, And it's all scientifically proven as well. Um, And I think how pre-teaches and how we now teach and how we learn, we're using all the active drilling and all that stuff. Um, it really, it really drills in where somewhere where it's taking you five, six years to learn something or get to a level. Where do we, I believe if a white belt, if we taught them from the beginning, you know, you can comfortably get to purple belt within three years. I honestly think if you could teach them this system, mm-hmm. and if they train five, six times a week, they can get to purple belt within three years easily. Whereas yeah, it yeah. could take up to six years for an average person to get to purple belt.
0: Well, you think oh, I, I came through obviously in a similar way. I've said in that coach, but yeah, it took me four or five, six years to get to purple belt.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you guys have been a bit faster than that, which is yeah. upsetting for me. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> but it's the system. I don't think, I honestly sometimes think like if it wasn't the way we're doing this now, I'd still probably be just a high level blue belt or just touching purple belt. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't have progressed. You know how before all this, they used to do this thing where you used to say, Jiu like gets to a level and then you get up and then you start plateauing and then you start going yeah. down. I think we haven't the, had that system. We haven't had that. It's just been progress, 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 progress. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's so evolving, different things, and everything sticks. It's, a, it's amazing. You know, I think it's brilliant.
0: Well, just as a uh, kind of thing for the people watching, if uh, you haven't come across before and you just suddenly picked up this video. So, the, how we used to do things, which is quite traditional, because I used to just visit different gyms and see what they did, because the so same way we could figure stuff out. To what we do now is, um, and this is actually quite funny. Someone actually asked, you know, do the purple belt start to warm up in our gym, uh, <laughs> what warm up? <laughs> we used to, we used to, yeah, we just don't. Um, yeah. so actually, I actually remember, um, I was at the Keenan Globe Prize seminar back in 2014. I think someone asked him, like, you know, what do you do for a warm up? He was like, What warm up? I, I, I do, um, drill i drill a little bit as a warm-up and then roll uh, that's pretty much what i got to uh i was like "Oh, if he does that i'll do it. um mm-hmm. and actually this actually comes back from my traditional jujitsu jitsu coach uh, at one point and um about making hard warm-ups is you've come to me because i'm teaching you a skill i'm not a pt
1: yeah
0: um like you know i don't ever say to be as much and that's what kind of a lot of jiu-jitsu one can be it's like i'm a faux pt doing calisthenics or whatever yeah
1: conditioning um, session exactly
0: and especially when they come all drawn out and stuff like that it's like if you're serious about jiu-jitsu you go and train outside jiu-jitsu and do a proper yeah strength and conditioning routine not push-ups and subs at the beginning of the session some star jumps
1: maybe That's some warm-up. rolling
0: around yeah exactly like you can get a, a just as you know good a, uh, a warm-up just by drilling and like. Uh, like pre-cav kind of explained to us, you know, when coaches talk it, stretch. Yeah. well, you're standing there, you can be sitting there for three, four, five minutes, sit in a squat or something like that. Yeah. It's perfectly fine time to do some stretching. Don't have to waste your time, like running around the room. Like if you come to a class of an evening, your body's warm, you've been awake all day, you've been moving around. Then you just do some, as you build into the drills, you know. And so when actually when I talk about drills is obviously the, the other difference is that, um, usually obviously you do your warm up or stretching whatever and then you do your uh, drills which is normally a technique has shown uh, which is along the lines of we're going to start in a position we're going to do a sell and then we're going to do a finish either a sweep submission or pass or whatever yeah. uh, and then we're going to do variations on that probably um, and then you do an arbitrary number for an arbitrary amount of time you do know, 10 or 20 in 5 minutes or you have 2 minutes each and swap over it's all very regimented, and yeah. we look at it from an experimental perspective. None of that makes sense. Um, and so, the way we kind of do things different uh, when I'm teaching class in the gym is, um, I'll give uh, like an end product of what we're trying to hunt for. Like this is what we want at the end of this, uh, and we look at the fine details at the end because that's normally where you know a lot of variation uh, a lot of uh, the details kind of exist then after before that is variation. variation so we then go through different levels of um try and get to that end point either working backwards from it depending on what yeah. it is or um given like a more uh depending on the skill level of the people doing it more free reign to actually then get to that position anyway and you change it makes the 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 uh, the other person, the dummy, more of a useful part of this because yeah. um, usually, like, they're just there as a scrapping dummy. There's, there's no feedback often. They're just zombies. Donate <laughs> their body for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We have, like, you know, can you give me more resistance, less resistance? Yeah. Can you do this? Can you do that? Um, just to give them more comp variation. Comp mode.
1: So we have comp mode as well. Yeah, exactly. It comp becomes, a,
0: yeah. When, when you get more. Uh, comfortable then it becomes more yeah. like you know competition speed uh and you try and get the same outcome yeah. and i think it's an important thing to say at the beginning of every drill is like this isn't sparring it's drilling there is a yeah. designated winner already
1: but every session you'll see someone going balls to the wall but you yeah know, it's, but it takes it time that... because we've done it the other way previously but now we are we are yeah. to like just chilling out and now doing it properly active drilling
0: yeah, yeah yeah um i think as well it's, it's Uh, I think it's interesting as well to when you're on the bottom is to actually then spend like again I don't like the idea of doing it for numbers like you have to do 10, 5 whatever and then swap over do it once but do it once like to a point where you've explored especially in the detail section at the beginning or something explore the hell out of it and really from the person on the bottom give a lot of feedback and ask for things to be changed like prime examples like say if you were in the bottom of an armbar in an armbar don't just have the armbar done to you. Say, oh, could you like just move your hips a bit closer? Can you move a bit further away? Can you squeeze your knees or something? Can you just push my face this way? Because then you're like, and this is a good example of this. Like my side control pressure is that I've never felt my own side control pressure. No one ever does. No one feels their own cross face. Um, The only way you actually develop your own pressure and crossface and the horrible things you do to a human being is by feeling it off someone else. (laughs) Yeah, you feel it against your jaw and you think, God, that sucks. Oh, I'll do it to someone else. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How many times have I said to you, Oh, yeah, I've used this, mate. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think that's an important part you can actually do in drilling is saying that um, you know, when you're getting your your uh when, you, when you're getting crushed or whatever from, in drills, can like, give feedback. Say, so, oh, well, no, actually, that, that hurts more if you do it this way. Yeah. But then you can feed back into your own, like, feedback loop of going, right, oh, I know what that feels like now. I'll do that to someone else when it actually comes to training. Um, and so why do people then stick to the conventional way of doing it? I think it's because, and this is interesting, so... Yeah,
1: go on. What do you think?
0: Uh, when it comes to, like, grilled chicken. Grilled yeah. chicken is Preet's interpretation of Loads of different coaches and things he's seen, they've melded it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have people from those, you can't train with people from those gyms and they don't do the same thing. Mm. And so I think it's a case of people teach as uh, they were taught because they think that if I teach you as I, as I was taught, maybe yeah. you will become me eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking to Charles Harriet uh, about this kind of stuff. He could say, because like, obviously he's been to a lot of gyms. You go go to some gyms where they just the students are all carbon copies of the coach. Yeah. Like if the coach is like super super like well respected high level or whatever, um, they, same they, game. Yeah, they do the exact same game. Yeah, was that you know uh, personality and physicality be damned. Like you you become a carbon copy of that person. Yeah, um, and it makes sense in a way. Like you know you can make if you are super successful and you can uh, play in a bit of devil's advocate, like. Teach your like imprint your exact game onto a person that they can do exactly the same as you do. There's that in theory. If you make a clone, that person should be just as successful. And when and that, theory, that happens, that yeah, happens. Like you have guys who's yeah. like high level gyms who are clones of their coach who yeah. move the exact same way, and they become super successful just like their coach was. Yeah, but does that help jujitsu in the long run? Probably no. not. I don't think so. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Wait. It's interesting. I, I, yeah, I think it's.
1: Time will tell, I think, because this is still new isn't it, at the end of the day. I don't think
0: there's a black and white answer to it. I think there's, you can't just say, uh, yeah, you, you, be can't, be a, copy, you yeah. know, you can't yeah. be a carbon copy because, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Why they're successful. Um, yeah. I think it does limit where Jiu Jitsu can go a little bit when you can have this kind of group think, you know, getting everyone together and going, right, let's, let's brainstorm why this isn't working. Yes. that new shit. Um, but also I think it's uh, beneficial when you actually have these carbon copy guys who just go out there and just go bang and win. And it's yeah. like, cool. That's not a bad thing. Um, I think it just depends on the individual. Like If you are into that, go to that kind of gym. Like, just don't limit yourself.
1: Like, yeah, you, yeah.
0: how, how you best you learn, there are other ways of learning jujitsu. jitsu um, We'll come back to that. I think once uh, some people on the Discord and YouTube actually watch this, maybe we'll get some more questions on it. More
1: questions, yeah. Um,
0: So next question is a bit more uh, focused. Um, There's a question about K-Guard and the inside-outside of guards and the list of them. So uh, for those who haven't come across this idea before, I did a video recently. Uh, Inside-outside is a principle of, I know Lackland Giles has got a video out uh, as well about it, various other people have spoken about it, like Dan and those guys speak about it, and, and pretty much plays leg locks. Um, the idea of inside-outside is, in any kind of face-to-face situation, like guard, mount, etc., there's an inside person and outside person. and So the inside person is the person in between the other person's legs. So like if you've got, uh, if I'm in closed guard, for example, I'm the outside person because my legs are around, say, Naki. Uh, he is the inside person. And that then, choose, like, can dictate what submissions you have available to you. It's not black and white. There are obviously variables. But by and large, it's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, so as the outside-based person in close guard, I can do upper-body submissions. Like triangles, arm bars are a lot easier. Naki as the inside person can neglect the shit out. Um, so uh, we we'll flip that round to butterfly. I'm yeah. now the inside person with my legs in between Naki's uh, thighs, he's the outside person. Quite difficult for him to leg lock me at this point. Yeah. Uh, But if he was to give me access to the back of his knees, I could probably leg lock him.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, There's a video, if anyone is interested, it's up on the YouTube channel. It explains a little bit more, and we'll definitely do a demonstration video when we get back in the gym. So the question was then about K-guard and uh, a list of inside-outside guards. So we'll start off with... Uh, outside base guards. Uh, what do you perceive? I know we spoke about close guard. Just Wells Do you think? Uh, could you class as an outside base guard?
1: Outside base guard, Delhiha.
0: Delhiha's a big one. Uh, yeah, yeah. But again, like, there's obviously you have got the terror lock, cow Terra's ankle lock.
1: Yeah, that's um, a great. Did with that, didn't he? Yeah, against the boogeyman.
0: Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. So it's, yeah. again, there's always outlying techniques. Um, yeah, yeah. Delhiva is really good for upper body submissions. I think that's what it's predominantly used for. Uh, you can get a lot of a plateau, triangle, kind of stuff uh, off yeah. Delhiva. Um, single leg X, definitely inside because it's just inside. actually standing upright. Yeah. Uh, X inside. Inside. Yeah. Um, what else? Okay, so kind of circling back around then. This K guard, and looking at some of the stuff from Lachlan Giles, especially when does, like the, the uh, when someone's seated. I think I've been playing K-Guard for maybe about 10 years, but unknowingly. You used I, to I call remember. him
1: Montes. <laughs> Can you remember?
0: No, not even that. Like, uh, so there's a, the and Giles video where he uh, has his foot like slightly on the guy's hip and he inverts a little bit, yeah. uh, gets his knee to the floor just on the inside of his, and then swings yeah. around and, and gets the leg lock. Um, there's a book I had probably about 11 years ago by Greg Jackson, the you know, uh, Jackson MMA coach, I think it was in that book where he does like a K-guard entry from closed guard mm. into a leg lock, into a knee bar.
1: Mm.
0: I think there's videos of me at competitions like nine, ten years ago using that. I think I <laughs> broke some dude's knee with it.
1: Yeah, you'll um, have to find it. You'll have to find it.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I have to, if I can find the book uh, or excerpt, from that, I'll take it's a picture. Like, of, uh, it's
1: like, where, like uh, you know, the K-guard thing. If from closed yeah. guard, uh, the other guy uses it. Um, uh, the uh, Hibiero Shangji, when he uses yeah. it to come out, and then he uses his sweep.
0: Yeah, like it's, the Shangji
1: sweep. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you know, Yeah, similar, so,
0: similar concept. What makes K guard then an interesting uh, thing for inside outside principle is oh. out of class that like, in the grey area, especially this yes. close got this kind of like low
1: one. Maybe, like you invert when they're quite low. It's a hybrid. Hybrid, we should call it. That you think hybrid guard.
0: I think when you start inverting, I think the rules start to go out of the window a little bit,
1: not yeah. completely,
0: but. Again, it's like uh, you start from the outside, but then he does stick his knee on inside. the inside. Yeah. That's the important part, and so it becomes an inside guard at that point on the yeah. inversion. Uh, I, you know, That closed guard is an outside base guard. It's good for body submissions, but it really does become a, a good inside guard when you do that inversion and you get your knee down and start going K-guard. But again, yeah. it's the inside-outside problem. Yeah. Um, so I think it still follows the rule of inside-outside. Yeah. Even though your foot starts on the outside, you need does go on the inside before the leg lock happens. Yes, just like an inside based guard. Um, half guard, I think, is the interesting one. And uh, yeah. this is video, I've got it set to schedule to release, I think, soon after this one airs. Um, on why I love half guard because it's mm. both, but I'll save that for that video. And you have to deal with my half guard all the time, anyway. <laughs> so you know, you <laughs> I, love, I love it. That's what makes us, like, because obviously, you know, me and Naki spar all used to. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of, most of my half guard game, understanding of half guards, basically from trying to leg lock you.
1: Um, (laughs) I take that as a compliment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it becomes very interesting because most people don't focus on that far leg. And so they just get leg locked on it all the time. It's only from people who play a decent amount of leg locks. Um, and it's so, like half guard becomes super interesting because like, when, when Charles kind of talks about the pummeling to make it force the person, force the bottom person to become a full outside guard.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it's also very interesting, like watching people like Ross Nichols and Macklin or whatever, who then pummel their outside leg from the bottom on the inside to make it a full inside guard.
1: Yeah.
0: I think half guard's really, oh, I obviously Eddie put a lot of focus on it when it came to lockdown and that kind of aspect of half-guard. I think a lot can be said about half-guard and its usefulness. And again, this kind of circles back around the beginning, like
1: jujitsu, Massive, massive. Yeah, oh,
0: completely. I think this comes back to, again, like the the initial thing that we said about rules limiting progress. Yeah. Half-guard always had this in it. Uh, but in traditional non-leg locking based jujitsu, jitsu it's just this terrible triangled position from the bottom. where You just yeah. hook your leg behind your knee, and it's almost like not used to its full extent. It's just dogfight, and that's all you got. Old school sweep, yeah. dogfight, done. Second, so start to bring leg locks into it. My god, a half hour is interesting.
1: Look. Yeah, it's like knee down, knee up, standing. Everything changes with every wherever you put your foot.
0: <laughs> oh, it's, it's so cool. So cool. I love like I find that that whole subject, especially when looking to the inside, outside, and, and yeah, the pocket and uh, so I think half guard's
1: super switching to half butterfly from half guard is easy as well. Well, you normally need a little bit of a gap, and you've got from gone from oh, exactly a yeah. hybrid guard to a completely inside guard becoming a dominant yeah.
0: exactly. It's I think it's very, very uh, I, I mean, think,
1: we both love half butterfly, we both love it, so we both know uh, how to play each other's games.
0: <laughs> well, actually, that's something that I've been uh pondering a lot recently. Is um, uh, I know I used to talk about it long ago, but it was changing the perspective of half guard, and this is where thing i start to give you a bit more misery is um like half guard if you are south of the other person's hips half guard is a guard for the person on top the second you can get in front of the bottom knee and change your perspective half guard becomes a side control of their leg court yeah and you can change really your perspective on how you then approach top half guards and from a position where i need to pass to a position where i can do side control stuff on you yes and you're stuck True. Like you can't dogfight me, you can't leg lock me easily, uh, as long as I keep my, my uh, unattached leg, kind of, the knee kind of closed so you can't deep half me and stuff like that, um, it, it suddenly becomes in server. I have to defend, I have to get yeah. out of this, it suddenly becomes I can actually attack quite aggressively. Um, yeah. I don't have to do a video on that when I get back in the gym. Yeah. Um, question we were asked then is, is about baby bridge and you i know you use baby bridge a lot you don't with alex with it um gentleman was saying about how he gets cross-faced and like pretzled with his ankles from baby bridge yeah uh, what do you recommend
1: man baby bridge uh, it's like uh, how to best i don't know how to best describe it it's Oh even if you need to understand uh, the side control bottom stuff that we play you know the magic shoulder and stuff and how the leg supports yeah. the same side shoulder so we don't get flattened that's why we're always talking don't get, don't be flat and how the legs support your shoulders. Um, and if you can understand that the baby bridge will get get easy to understand because you, you'll understand the full extension of your body where you're actually running into them to an extent because your hips are off the floor, you're completely arched. And they have to put pressure into you, which means then you can use their momentum to obviously sweep them over or then start wrestling. And it's like we were discussing Discord yesterday uh, about the whole wrestling thing. And I was saying, learn wrestling, learn how to bridge properly, learn the clinches, yeah. learn the pummeling, and you will understand grappling, you know, being that's on it. the inside.
0: From what I felt of playing baby bridge is that the connections chest to chest, and that's kind of what brings the head out of the picture for like cross and stuff. And so the reach, maybe it's just of my height, when was the last time and... me
1: or you cross faced each other with pre-COVID? When was the last time? I can't remember because it's no. so hard to cross face each other. Like, we're yeah, maybe when it goes
0: chest to chest, it's really difficult to try and find it. But also, I remember Master Gal saying this to me years ago. It's like it's such a you know dumb idea that if you don't want someone to cross face, you just put your head back on the floor. I know Prince yeah. said it as well. Like, the reason your head should be on the floor is to look at the other person or for, you know if you need to do something. But you head dug on the goddamn floor. Push your head yeah. into the into the floor. So, I think maybe it's a it's a weight positioning problem that this this yeah, getting cross faced and folded from Baybridge is, is that instead of having uh, your your weight centered into your your midsection with hips and ass on the floor.
1: Yeah.
0: Or what, they're all going to be on the floor. But I mean, that's, that's where your weights is. Try and focus it so it's in your ankles and
1: shoulders, your feet
0: and your and your head. Yeah. Head. exactly. Yeah. Make the yeah, up up. Make it so it's this part up. Um, it's connecting to the floor, and that's driving in. I think if you did that, it'd be quite difficult to actually. Then... Yeah, it's
1: a side bridge like wrestlers do all the time. That side bridge. <laughs> I
0: think it'd be very hard to try and get uh, any sort of purchase. But also, this is one of the videos I actually want to do um, when we get back. Is shrimping like yes. the? the, <laughs> the I, I've I spent so long working on this idea. Uh, and it features baby bridge, and um,
1: yeah,
0: I think when we get that video out, I think actually we might solve that issue a bit more. Like the 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 concept of shrimping, um, I guess one of those, you know, it's just something featured in a warm up and it's occasionally framed from Sagatro control, and then you kind of don't really use shrimping past this little bubble of use. Um, I think shrimping is a huge subject. I think yeah. done right, I think we. Massive. So I'm looking forward to, to doing that video when we get back in. Yeah. Uh last question then was asked uh, specifically of you. Oh, uh, okay. Do you use the cradle?
1: Yeah, we use a cradle. <laughs> um, obviously, because especially I'm always looking for it when you're playing running, man, because I need you need to keep them still. Um when you give when you give the bottom guy movement, like we're currently well, pre-COVID, we started working on attacks, being on top. So we've gone away from now with the defense because we, 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 we've done the defense. Now we're focusing on other attacks. And what we found is that you got to control the hips. If you don't control the hips, you know, they're going to be running around and just r- running on talking turtle. You know, they'll just be baby bridging away, a turtle guard, you know, standing up, walking away from you. Because we used to do it, you know, to each other. And then we thought, okay, controlling the hips. The, the, the idea is control the hips. So now we work on pressuring the hips a lot. And cradle is a good example because I can control the upper part of the body and the lower part of the body. Um, well, this is actually something
0: that when well, last time I saw Pre in September in the Amsterdam camp, Tenth Planet, is he said about the angle of the top leg. If you can fold that a bit further down, so if having it upright, open hips, can yep. bring your knee a bit further down, it kills the cradle dead.
1: Yeah, kills it. Kills it. Ground. Like it's very hard to do now since we've adapted to the new running man, it's very hard to get very hard to get the cradle. But if I get it, I'm keeping it because I have yeah. to hold you still. You know what I mean? I'm looking for it, but it's not because yeah. if I really if you really start hunting, then obviously the pressure's off, then I'm giving the bottom guy what they want. Space and they're just moving, running around.
0: <laughs> I think one of the interesting things as well about cradle and you have cradled me in the past when I, I wasn't putting my knee in the right place, like time or whatever. Yeah. Is as long as my elbows are kind of closed, uh, unless you try and drive my knee through my eye socket.
1: Yeah, there's nothing else really. It's just controlling. Nothing else really is going to happen to me. I'm being controlled. Yeah, okay. It it's yeah. boring. It's that space. The space is still covered, really. Because I'm magic shoulder your head. kills cradle a lot as well. Yes, magic shoulder. Um,
0: uh, uh, And like magic shoulder slash the whatever I want to call it about shoulder tracking, but in the, the middle of the shoulder in the, yeah, the, the sternum. sternum. <laughs> uh, I think that kills cradles dead as well. Yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely something that. Uh, something it's, that Aaron meant, it?
1: it's all Hawking, I, Baby Bridge, different aspects of it.
0: I think Aaron Millen put it quite well. He said that this defensive jiu jitsu, obviously, you know, all high level guys play it. You can't get to black belt without actually doing this defensive jiu jitsu. Uh, all the stuff that Preet kind of talks about was based on what high level guys would do it. And so he said that you know, people play this defensive jiu jitsu. And this was before, like, you know, when, when Aaron and Preet started really getting to know each other. Uh, and he said that, you know, you need to move people, catch them in transition. Maybe in yeah. inflict, inflict pain. Um, cradle is, is one of those aspects. You, you're not going to get anything from a cradle. No. But hopefully you make them hurt enough that they want to move aggressively yeah. out it. and you catch them in the transition.
1: I mean, in but, a long fight... It could be used yeah. as a tactic to slow the person down, drain him out a bit, and then. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but yeah, it's
1: definitely got a space. It's not like. Especially when Raiders we've played,
0: work. I don't think you've ever messed me up with it. No. It's not been something that's forced me to think, uh,
1: I'm going to get submitted. I'm in, I'm, in
0: a me, I'm, I'm in a problem here. Maybe, like, if there's a timed fight and there's points and stuff, then maybe, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, we'll have to be a lot sharper of using uh, yeah. magic shoulder than the knee in the right place. Um, but from a, from a uh, war of attrition kind of fight that we're kind of used to. Like, it's never threatened. I
1: mean, Baby Bridge and Hawking kills it. Like, it's so hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, running man. The,
0: yeah, credit, credit. credit can be easily killed. Um yeah. There's so many little things that, that tear it apart. Um, I think that's all the mandatory subjects covered. Done quite well.
1: Yeah, I no. know. Um, how long have we been on for?
0: I don't know, man. It's coming to like... 45 minutes maybe <laughs> I know right it's pretty cool uh, mm-hmm. what I was going to say Um anyone who's like um, watched this video uh, and has any questions or anything we've kind of spoken about my goal is to, to do this with NACI weekly
1: yeah well. if,
0: like, hey, not that we've got anything to do is it <laughs> I
1: know yeah <laughs> uh,
0: so is there's anything from this that people have like watched and gone Ah, oh, damn! I want I want to know more about that. Or um, there's a sort of like a, even just a random subject that people want to yeah, talk about. Questions? Like, yeah, definitely. Uh, ask of us, we'll, we'll do more of these. And my intention is like if there's other people who want to jump in, like, uh, yeah, other yeah. coaches, and uh, I'm going to try and get a hold of Josh McKinney. He's got a very cool kind of similar uh, outlook on jiu-jitsu as, as we have. Yeah. Charles as well. Uh, I'd yeah, love yeah. to get Charles featured on there so i'll sit for an arrange it for next week um yeah hopefully i yeah ask us more questions and then uh we'll uh redo or do more of these uh on a weekly basis yeah uh but yeah thank you naki thank you for your uh an hour of your evening
1: uh, <laughs> no problem man
0: hopefully My pleasure hopefully if things improve we'll roll again soon yeah,
1: soon hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <Come> on, <laughs>
0: Yeah, don't say that i don't feel optimistic all of a sudden
1: um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right even knack we'll take care you. dude
1: and you.